Howdy and welcome to the 10-Week Bible Study. This is week two, day five of our study of Acts. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Acts 5, 17-42. Welcome back to the 10-Week Bible Study Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we get started today? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God? Fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we jump in, I want to encourage you that uh, if you're following along, we have a printed Bible study guide for the book of Acts. I would love to encourage you to join in, uh, go to Amazon, go to 10weekbible.com today and pick up a copy of that and follow along with us. Also producing weekly videos to help you go along through that study if you're leading a home group, small group, something like that, a Sunday school class. Uh, I really do believe that going through these studies and reading the book 10 times in 10 weeks, it really will transform you and transform the lives of those around you who engage in this. All right, with that, let's jump into God's Word. We're going to be reading today from the NIV. This is Acts 5, starting in verse 17. Then the high priest and all of his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They're filled with jealousy because of the fear of God because of the activity of the apostles, right? What the apostles are doing, they're healing people. Um, they're laying people in the streets for Peter's shadow to fall on them. Um, people are afraid of them, but they're still joining. All of these things, right? There's so much commotion, so much talk now about the apostles. It's it's They're not hiding in a corner anymore. At, at the beginning, it's kind of like, these guys were with Jesus. I, I remember seeing them, right? That's how it was just maybe even a few weeks ago. And now it's at the point where everyone in Jerusalem knows who the, these guys are. Somehow the, the, the apostles, they become some of the most popular, if you will, people in all of Jerusalem. And I mean like popular, like people like them because they're bringing their sick friends to them and they're getting healed. The sick friends are getting healed and they're really liking them. I mean, you can make a lot of friends really quickly if you heal them of debilitating diseases, of paralysis, all of these kinds of things that they're doing. This is making the high priest really angry. And it's very clear. It's, it, Luke tells us it made them jealous. Luke is going to see firsthand this kind of jealousy when he's with Paul. And make no mistake, this is not a Jewish thing, this kind of jealousy. This is a human thing, right? When, you, when, when people see other people doing well and makes them jealous. It makes them jealous. And it's a matter of how, how far are they willing to go? I planted a church many years ago and there was another man in town and, and he had been involved in, in several churches and he was someone who spoke often of revival and wanting to see the Lord break in and lots of people get saved and brought to the Lord. And when we started our church he went around telling people not to join us and, and spreading all sorts of lies trying to keep our church from growing because he was afraid that maybe the Lord might use us to bring about that revival, to bring about souls, to have that, you know, the Holy Spirit coming in power in some form or fashion might happen through us apart from him. I saw him do this with several churches in the area. This is nothing so old that it doesn't still happen. This is not something that we've outgrown. 
This goes on to this very day. And it doesn't have to be religious. I mean, people do this in their jobs all the time. They see people getting promotions and they get jealous and angry and they try to sabotage them. This is human nature. It's not the nature of the Holy Spirit, but it is human nature. Verse 18, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell all the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Understand, they had to go in and, like, they can't walk up to the gates and see that no one's inside. This is a dark, nasty dungeon they've been put in, right? And so they have to go all the way in and, and realize, you know, because it's so dark and nasty, there's nobody here. The guards are still, they didn't know that they were gone. And somehow, you know, I don't know if the, the apostles passed through doors or passed through walls or if the angel opened them, kept everyone asleep. They walked out, the angels went back and closed them. I don't know how this worked, but they got out without anyone noticing. <clears throat> Almost kind of like a you know one of those silly movies where the guard is is asleep you know and and leaned back against the wall in his chair with the with the keys hanging off of his uh, his belt and you know the 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 our you know, protagonist has to go and take the keys very delicately off of the guy's you know uh, belt loop to keep from waking him up you know that that kind of, it almost it, it sounds that silly right that they just walk out the door nobody notices all the doors get closed again very ninja like they escape but the lord did this the lord did this and they're all scratching their head puzzled like um they were here we didn't open anything no one came or went not real sure where they are right this is puzzling them verse 24 on hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. So at this point, they are so popular. They're afraid if they get caught arresting these guys in public the public would stone them. Now, they did something similar with Jesus, right? They wouldn't arrest him out in front of everybody because everyone kind of liked him. And so they had to do it in secret at night. And so they go, the, the captain of the guard goes to the apostles and he's like, hey, guys, um, y'all were in jail last night and I kind of need y'all to come with me to talk to the Sanhedrin would you please just come peaceably so that nobody gets hurt here? Primarily me and my men. I don't want the people to stone us. He probably wasn't that honest with them, but I bet you the apostles understood like <laughs> you really need us to come with you or this could turn bad for you. And so they went, they went willingly. They went willingly. What's going to happen at the end of this chapter should make us think twice, right? The, the length 
that these Pharisees and Sadducees are willing to go to after they came in willingly. An angel, I'm sure it, like it gets known to them. Now, maybe the Pharisees and the Sadducees don't believe the story about the angel, but it feels like by the end of this, they're told the story that an angel let us out. We didn't break out. An angel of God came and let us out and told us to go do this thing when we're preaching the gospel. <clears throat> now, I doubt that the Pharisees and Sadducees believed them, but they at least heard the, hear the story. Verse 22, 27, excuse me. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. I love how he says that there. It's like, you're determined to make us, I mean, us, guilty of this man's blood. Um, you know, the very people that are 100%. If there's anyone the guiltiest of Jesus's blood, it's them. Even Jesus himself said to Pilate <laughs> and to, to the Romans, he's like, um, he's like, the punishment for those that handed me to you is greater than yours. He's not saying that you're innocent. He's just saying that it's, these guys are more guilty, right? Jesus himself basically said that of, of this same exact group of men. And they're saying, you, you're trying to make us guilty of his blood. This is the most ridiculous thing. This is the most ridiculous thing that they may have ever said right there. Verse 29. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. Peter's not letting up yet. Peter has yet to let anybody off the hook. I mean, he is a firebrand here. We knew that he was a firebrand when he was with Jesus on the earth. But now, I mean, this boldness that comes over him, he's like, he's not letting them off the hook. He's like, you did kill him. You killed him. You handed him over to be killed on the cross. Verse 31. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. This makes him mad. Verse 33. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. They're mad. I mean, this, this makes them mad, right? That, that no, God's telling us to do this and he's given us the Holy Spirit because we're the only ones who are obeying him here. Oh man, that makes them so mad. They're about to put them to death. They really are. They don't care what the consequences are with the people. They're going to put them to death. Verse 34. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. I want to pause right there. Gamaliel, this name is going to come up again. Our good friend Saul, who's going to change his name to Paul at some point in the future, he's going to tell us later that he studied under Gamaliel. This is his primary teacher. Every Pharisee, Sadducee, every rabbi that came along, they had to have like a, like a teacher. It wasn't like, you know, I went to... Texas A&M University, that's where my diploma's from. You went to Gamaliel. You studied under Gamaliel. That's how it worked. And so Paul is going to say, Gamaliel was my university, essentially. This is my sponsor, sponsored professor, right? This is, this is my academic advisor in terms of, of um, you know, if you're getting a PhD or something like that. This is the guy. 
And so this Gamela is going to be the one that's going to uh, raise Saul slash Paul up in uh, Jewish teaching. So Gamaliel gets up. Let's continue on in uh, verse 35. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All of his followers dispersed, and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. The census that he's talking about is, is actually when Julius, or when Claudius, uh, not Claudius, but, um, <coughs> excuse me, Augustus Caesar uh, has the census. He's talking about like 35, 40 years prior. Verse 37. Uh, the, the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all of his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They've already told them, we're not going to stop speaking in the name of Jesus. They had them flogged, like they had them whipped. And it's very likely because the cat of nine tails was a, a Roman torture device that that um, the, the cat of nine tails was a whip, but basically at the end of the whip, instead of having like kind of the, the little cords that would just do these lashes, you would have uh, nine strings, nine pieces of the leather coming off. And embedded in that leather, leather might be pieces of glass, pottery, uh, shards of stone so that when you whipped someone with it, you actually tore chunks of their flesh out. You sliced them up. I mean, bad. This is what Jesus was flogged with by the Romans. I don't believe that the Jews used this. Um, so they're either beating them with like reeds or sticks, or they're using a traditional whip to, to flog them. I mean, it's not entirely clear exactly what they would have used, but they would have put a hurting on them, right? They're coming away um, probably bleeding and and bruised and in pain. <clears throat> the hubris, the hubris to do this to the, the guys that are are healing people that, that are, I mean, they're walking by and Peter's shadows really are healing people. This is some tremendous arrogance, tremendous arrogance that they think that they're going to stop them, that they think that this is a good idea to flog them and tell them to stop. This is nuts. This is nuts. But people, even to this day, are nuts like this. They still do these kinds of things. Verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name, the name of Jesus. Verse 42, day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news <clears throat> that Jesus is the Messiah. Nothing, nothing should stop us from proclaiming this news. <clears throat> nothing should ever stop us from proclaiming this news. Lord, help us, make us bold like you made them so that nothing would stop us from proclaiming the good news of Jesus. For the 10-week Bible study, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time.
Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.